Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to be here with you at North Star as we have a fun Sunday looking back at how all this stuff called the church got started. So I'm going to let you get ahead a little bit. Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be. So if you got your Bibles, your app, you can turn there and we'll dive in there in a second. Uh, it's hard to believe it's fall. Nothing says College football, like 97 degrees. All right, and so that's, a, that's an exciting day. How many of you, your teams won yesterday? Raise your hand if your teams won. How many of your teams lost? How many of you have already given up hope on your season? All right, raise your hand. That's right, so we went down and saw Georgia Tech play yesterday, and we saw it might be their one win of the year. But anyway, so it was, a, it was a great day down there. I hope your teams did well. If they didn't, we'll have a prayer meeting after. All right, the service for, for your team. Um, Last week, you got to meet a dear, dear young man that is a super close uh, part of our family. He's been a part of our North Star family. He's been a part of my baseball family, uh, coaching through the years, and God's using him in a big, big way. Did y'all enjoy Cole Ragsdale last week? Wouldn't he did he do a great job? He was... He was awesome. We were watching from where we were. I had a wedding, and, and we, we watched it, and I was so proud of him. And he's one of those kids that when he started playing for me when he was 14, um, you saw it in him. And it was, neat to, it was neat to get to watch and experience that with you last week. Well, today, Acts chapter 2, uh, we finished our homesick series here a few weeks ago talking about the father's longing for his two boys. If you missed it, and today's your first day, you ought to go back and watch it because it tells you a lot. The heart of the father is our heart as a church. Um, but where did all that come from? And, and how did all that get going? So here we have, let me give you a little a thumbnail on today. Here we had what was called the early church. They were the picture of what God had in mind that he wanted the church to be. So God had a vision for what the church was going to be. So back during the time of Jesus, there were 12 disciples, right? And there ended up only being 11 that ended up really making it out because Judas, Judas did his deal and went his way and, and went out. So there were 11, and they had a following maybe during the book of Acts when it all began. There was around 72 people that would say they were followers of this man named Jesus, and they didn't even understand what all was happening. They didn't, they didn't understand that he was going to leave them. So Jesus begins to teach in his, in between 30, his age 30 and 33, he begins to teach and it's different. He's, he, he's talking about different things they've ever heard before. And he starts using the terms that he and God are one and the people didn't like it and they ended up eventually killing him. And we know, we know that he ended up on that cross as a perfect man dying for our sins, right? Not not his sins, he died for our sins. And he was raised to life three days later so that one day when death looks you in the face, when you come eyeball to eyeball with every person's greatest fear, which is the fear of death, you become eyeball to eyeball with it, you know that death has nothing on you because of what Jesus Christ did. And because of the work that he did on that cross, well, this group of 11, they begin to get together and go, 
All right, we're going to begin to talk about it, and we're, we aren't going to hide out. So here's what was going on. All right, just get the picture. This group of 11 and really this group of maybe 70, 72 people, they were on the wanted list. They were on the wanted list because Jesus, they'd put in team on the Friday. They couldn't find him. Now these people are preaching and teaching, and they don't like it. And they were killing those early believers of Jesus. But it didn't change how they lived. And this little passage that we're going to read was the beginning of the very first church like what we experience today. Before that, it was synagogues, tabernacles, studying the Torah, studying the Old, Old Testament law. But on this day that we're going to read about, this was the beginning. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Would y'all stand with me as we read this together? If there was one disciple that shouldn't have, shouldn't have been able to speak on behalf of Jesus, it probably was Simon Peter. He failed the most. He screwed up the most. He stuck his foot in his mouth the most. He made promises he didn't deliver on, but yet God chose to use Simon Peter on this day in a huge way. Simon Peter stands up in front of not just followers of Christ, but he stands up in front of people that don't know about this man named Jesus. They just know something's going on. Verse 36, let all, Simon Peter speaking here, let all the house of Israel therefore know for, what's the next word? Here's what he's saying. You've wondered, you've guessed, you've questioned. Oh, today's not a day to just hear the story. Today's a day you can know for certain. Why did he say it that way? Well, some of these people had eyeballed Jesus. Some of these people had been there at the crucifixion. They had all heard about the resurrection. Is it really true? Was it just a ghost? All these things were playing. Simon Peter stands up in front of thousands of people on that day, and he said, listen, let all the house of Israel, those that have learned the God of what we now know as the Old Testament, let you know for certain that God made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. Everybody look at me. Basically what he said that day was, we were all a party to the crime. Because these, Jesus didn't die because the Romans or the Jewish leaders wanted him to die. He died because he had to die for our what? What did he die for? Our what? Sin. He had to die for our sin. We were all part of the crucifixion. Some of them physically were a part of it. All of us spiritually were a part of it. Now, when they heard this, I love this phrase, they were cut to the heart, meaning they felt it down in their gut and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, then what shall we do? We get it. I own it. I understand it. What do I do now? I, I don't think Jesus was just a mere man. I don't think Jesus was just another guy. 
I don't think Jesus just came to make us feel better about ourselves. So, so what do we do now? And Simon Peter, he jumps up and he says, well, here's what you do. You repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of the Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And I'll explain what that means here in a second. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. With many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And the early church began. And doing what they did could have cost them their lives. Today, we're going to talk about what that looks like for us. Would you pray with me? Right where you're standing this morning, would you just ask God to speak to you? You didn't just show up to check it off the list. You didn't just show up to, to do church. And you showed up because you, you knew there's something that you need. Would you just ask God to speak to you? Second prayer, would you pray that you would listen when he speaks, and that you would obey. Would you pray that? Father, pull up a chair in our lives today. We didn't come to hear a person talk. We came to hear from you. So God, crawl your words off these pages and set it up in our lives. May we leave here today more encouraged to be a follower than we were when we walked in. And Father, that is my prayer today, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're seated, turn around to somebody around you, welcome them to Norster and say, I hope it cools down soon. All right, would you? Do that real quick. I really don't mean that. I don't like cold weather. All right, I like hot weather. But anyways, I threw it out there. How many of y'all ready for it to get colder? How many of y'all wish it stayed warm all year? You're my people. All right, you're my people. I love, I love hot weather. It starts getting cold, I get depressed. All right, here we go. Let's talk about what was going on that day. What was happening? There's so many components of this. This is a day I just wish we were all sitting in a living room and, and I was just on a chair. Um, there's so many components of this day. Just hours after the time of Jesus' death, all looked hopeless. It didn't look like anybody was going to make it. The disciples were scattering. They were hiding. They were hiding because people thought that they were up to something and they thought they were up to no good and there's just all these dynamics going on and then all of a sudden after three days they can't find the body and Jesus appears to them, to, to them and they begin to see him around and, and they begin to talk and for 40 days he's with them and then after 40 days he ascends back to heaven he leaves them with a charge to go, all, go into all the world and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and this, this, they, they, these are 11 
key, 70 total, people going, he told us to go change the world. And there's 70 of us. Odds ain't looking real good. Things aren't looking real strong. Surely we would have thousands by now. But yet they did what Christ told them to do. They went out. It reminds me of a story I had left. So I did student ministry from 91 to 96 at a local church, some of the five of the best years of my life, phenomenal kids. One of the young ladies, and I've got a good friend in the room that was a part of this group. Uh, one of the young ladies that was in that group, she was maybe a sophomore, junior, I don't remember what year she was, but I moved out of student ministry, moved to North Star and, and became Ike's associate pastor for a couple years. And uh, so I was out of the student ministry world, but I remember it was the summer before this young lady's senior year at Harrison High School, and she, she came over to meet with Ann and I. We lived in Blue Springs neighborhood, and her and a, a friend from Harrison came over to pray. They wanted to come pray. She said, Mike, we're, we're leading FCA this year for our school, and I want you to join us. We want to see God move in our school this year. Would you pray with us? So just, would you ever say no to that? I mean, would that be awful? No, I'm sorry, I'm busy. All right, and so she, she and her friend come over, and we didn't know the friend. It was just her and, and this friend. They come over, and we gather in our, our little living room there at, at uh, Blue Springs neighborhood right up the street where we had a couple years we lived in there, and we gather and we prayed. Now, all right, let's just be honest. How many of y'all have ever prayed before? And you really didn't expect a good result, but you know you're supposed to pray, so you prayed, but you really didn't have the outcome in mind. You're just like, well, I need to pray, but I don't really believe in the outcome, but I just sort of prayed. How many of y'all have ever done that before? If you didn't raise your hand, you're lying in church, all right? And so it's not good to lie. So we prayed, and I, I believe in prayer, but, but, you know, I'm also a realist, right? I'm married to a realist. Anne said that's her job is to be a realist. I'm the dreamer. She's the realist. My balloon flies. She grabs it, pulls it down. All right. And so we, we prayed. Neither of us. It's true. All right. And so neither of us. I mean, we, we believed it. But she wanted to see. So most high school FCAs have 10 to 30 kids. That's pretty normal. And I'm on the high school, for years, I was on the high school speaking circuit, you know, going to do all these free events at schools, and I've seen them all. And so she said, I'm praying that God moves on my campus. I don't see her every week anymore. All, she, all I know is she books me to do the last FCA of the year the following May. So this is, this is summer. She books me for the following May, which is a big deal to get booked that far in advance because usually you get booked Thursday night at 8.45 for the Friday event. And so, um, so she books me. I don't think a whole lot about it, even though I prayed that God would move, all right, which is a positive thing. And so I'm a pastor, and so that's my job. And so I prayed that God would move, and I remember showing up on a Friday morning. I was like, God, there's a lot of cars here. There must be some other event going on. I mean, I didn't even think. I mean, there must be some meetings. There's always stuff going on on high school campuses. And walked in. And if I remember the number correctly, and I tend to over-exaggerate, but if I, remember that, if, I, if I remember the number correctly, there were around 500 students at FCA that morning. Were they there because I believed it? No, they were there because that girl believed it. What happened that day, whether the disciples saw it 
or just said, God, you said it, I choose to believe it, the early church blossomed that day. Ladies and gentlemen, that was 2,000 years ago. Now, September of the year 2019, we sit in a church reading the story of what happened that day because it hasn't gotten smaller. Every year, the movement gets larger and larger. So what happened? What did we learn from this early church? Glad you asked. We got to talk. All right, so I got three things for you to write down this morning. Number one thing we learn as this early church began, they were cut to the heart. The people that heard the story that day were cut to the heart. What does it mean to be cut to the heart? And I want you to write this out beside it. It means that God's word got in their hearts. They didn't hear it with these ears. They heard it with these ears. See, there's a difference of hearing it and hearing it. Hearing it hears informational ears. Hearing it here, these are your spiritual ears. I could just, man, I was just thinking of stories. 2 a.m., a text comes into my phone from a good friend of mine who entered North Star as a skeptic. I'd given him, we'd met numerous times, and I'd given him stuff to read. Two o'clock in the morning, I didn't see the text when it came in. I got it the next morning when I woke up, and it just said, two o'clock in the morning, I get it. I get it. I bowed my head tonight and asked Christ to be my Lord and Savior. And a man went at 53 years old, taking an early retirement from the banking industry to becoming a follower of Christ and served for years and years in ministry at a local church. I remember the afternoon I'm driving home and I get a phone call from my friend who had been struggling in his walk with the Lord. He was in his 60s, which is unheard of. He's in his 60s, self-made, incredibly successful, great family. But we shared the story. In fact, he shared his story. He, we were sitting at lunch one day and he's like, Mike, I, I want to believe but my Jewish faith says that the Messiah hasn't come, but yet I think Jesus is who he said he is. And, and for years, it wasn't like weeks, for years he went back and forth. And I remember sitting at a restaurant over on Chastain Road and we said, and I, and I said this to him, you're in a rundown and you got to figure out, are you going back to third or are you coming home? And I remember the phone call driving home when he said, Mike, I'm ready to step across that line of faith. Would you come over to my house tonight and pray with me? Cut to the heart. See, it's that point when all of a sudden, everybody look at me, you're not just sitting in church anymore. It's like that word that was said was specifically for you. You heard it and you're like, how did Mike know to say that? How did Cole know to say that? How did Casey know to say that? How did Daniel know to say that? How did Steve know to say that? You name off whoever's speaking of it. Well, they didn't know to say it. 
The Holy Spirit took it and he put it in your heart and you're cut to the heart and you're like, that's me. That's what happened that day. These people thought they knew, but that day, oh yeah, they knew. I grew up in church, but I remember the day all of this made sense to me. You believe he is who he said he is, and then you see how far you fall short. I I don't know how many people have said, Mike, when I walk in the room, I I just start crying. I don't even know. I don't even cry, but I cry. Well, that's the Holy Spirit pulling your heart. They were cut to the heart. I want you to write a little thought down. I'm going to move on to number two. Salvation begins in my heart. But they didn't just hear it. Number two, they were called by Peter, Simon Peter, to repent. So you got to think that day. There are Aramaic Greek speakers. There's Koine Greek speakers. There's all these different variations of stuff going on. Some people heard repent in Hebrew. Repent in Greek means to change one's mind. Repent in Hebrew means to turn. Here's what they all heard that day. You are here. You are cut to the heart. You know this is for you. You got to do something with it. You don't just keep doing what you used to do. You got to turn your direction. So literally it's the picture. You were headed this way. You were cut to the heart and you went, I don't want to live like that anymore. I'm going this way. See, repent is not, I feel bad, Mike. I just, I feel guilt. That's not repent. Repent means I was here. And listen, everybody get this. You don't change the world by feeling bad. You change the world by going another direction. You don't change the world because you go, oh, gosh, you know, I probably ought to get more involved. Those people don't change the world. The people that change the world are the people that go, Mike, I just didn't feel bad. I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to go that way. I want to look different. And here's what this early church knew. They knew going this way could cost them their lives. They were people of the way, and they became enemy number one of the Jewish state because they didn't want to turn their old religious system over to them, and the Romans didn't want an insurrection happening. They were called to repent, and guess what they did? Dadgum, that day, they repented. It changed. We sit here in Compass, the chapel in True North, on the patio, watching on. We sit here today, because these people went that way. And they said, I don't want to live, I don't want to go that way anymore. I want to go that way. Point number three, then Simon Peter commanded them to be baptized. He's like, man, congratulations. I'm glad you were cut to the heart. I'm glad you were repentant. Not everybody needs to know. Everybody needs to know. I want you to write this little thought down. I'm going to illustrate it. They were baptized because they were forgiven of their sins. 
want you to write this down. They were baptized because they were forgiven of their sins. They weren't baptized to be forgiven. They were baptized because they were forgiven, not to be forgiven. So in stadiums yesterday all over America, grown people with lots of pride, with neat yards and clean cars, did crazy stuff in a football stadium all over the country. And we're to know those are the college kids that are crazy. Oh, no. All right, it's, a, it's, it's, it's the older people that are as crazy as the college kids on college campuses. It's crazy. And they put on a jersey and they walk into a stadium and they cheer for their team. That's what they do. Even if they're outnumbered, they'll go cheer for their team. Even if there's more of them than there is of you, buddy, you got the pride in your team. Why do you wear the jersey? Because you want everybody to know who you're pulling for, right? You don't go neutral. You don't go, you don't go undercover. So y'all know I'm a Georgia Tech fan. I always have been. I hate my dad for raising me that way. But anyways, so it's just, it's how he raised me. I was like me and Steve Roach were the only tech fans in our high school. And we were by ourselves and they always got beat by Georgia. And so Ann and I always had a rule. I wanted to take Casey to a Georgia game for a Georgia Tech-Georgia game because I raised him to be a tech fan. It teaches you to be tough, all right? And so I raised him to be a Tech fan, and, and I remember going down, and Ann's like, you don't need to go. You run your mouth too much. You're a pastor now, all right? And so you don't need to go to the game. You're like, does she lecture you like that? She needed to, all right? And so um, we, I get a call from a good friend here. He's like, man, Mike, I got tickets if you want them. And it was at Bobby Dodd Stadium. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. This is awesome. So we go down. And the section we're in is the Georgia band. <laughs> and everybody else was dressed in red. And there was Casey and I in gold. Nice. Were any of y'all there that day? All right, before I tell the story. But anyways, so, so we're sitting there outnumbered. But you know what? There was no way I was wearing a jersey. I didn't believe him. I was going to wear the one that I represented. Does that make sense to everybody? Why did, why did they get baptized? Because that day when they were baptized, they put on his uniform and said, I'm on that team. If you got any questions, this is the team I'm on. See, baptism does not... <laughs> you. When a person is, how many of y'all have ever seen a baptism before? Raise your hand if you've seen a baptism. You may have seen it in a movie or in a video, but, but when, when you see somebody baptized, baptized, a lot of times they said, I want to get baptized because I want it to wash away my sin. I've heard that said a thousand times. I want to get baptized because I want it to wash away my sin. Baptism does not wash away your sin. Jesus and his forgiveness and his cleansing blood washes away your sin. If it washes away your sin, whoever gets in after you has all your sin all over them. All right, they, don't, they got enough of their own. They don't need none of your business. All right, they got all their own stuff to deal with. And so when they are baptized, it represents this is the team I'm on. I believe Jesus lived for me. I believe Jesus died for me, and I believe Jesus was raised to life for me. 
See, at North Star, we don't come down front. We don't, you know, you may have grown up in a church where at the end of the service they played like four songs and waiting on people to come down and there's pastor. That's the way the church I grew up in, all right? And they stood down front. We don't do that. We don't have anywhere to stand, all right? And there's nowhere to go. Every room's occupied. So how do we know when somebody comes to know Christ here? Well, when they're baptized. I want you to look a little final thing there on your outline. Baptism celebrates the death, life, and resurrection of Jesus. It celebrates what Jesus has done for me. And it celebrates my new life empowered by the Spirit. So I was preparing for this this week. You know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful those people that day took this step. I wonder if they hadn't, if you and I would have ever heard. I don't know. But that they did. So from the beginning of this church, January of 1997, we celebrate baptism. The last number I heard, and this is a rough number since 1997, there's well over 3,000 people have been baptized here. Isn't that amazing? It's awesome. Why is that a big deal? It's a big deal because that day in front of people, in front of their family and their friends, they put on his uniform and said, I'm not just a goer to churcher. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. What I love about baptism is baptism comes after salvation. Many of you growing up maybe were sprinkled as a child or you were dedicated as an infant. Baptism is not saying none of that matter. What it, what it says is baptism comes after salvation because I'm saying what I did, I accepted. You may have been sprinkled when you were five or five months, but you came to know Christ at 35 or 15. Well, baptism comes after that. So next Sunday night, we are going to gather as a church family. We're going to, and I'm going to explain all this in a few minutes. We're going to do a massive church picnic together. You'll get to know new people. We're going to serve great food. You're going to bring all kinds of stuff. And then at the end of the night, we're going to put a bunch of pools out here in this parking lot. We've always done the lake. This year, we're not doing the lake. We outgrew the area we were in. We ran out of parking. We didn't have anywhere to park people. So this year, we're going to move it back to campus and I think it's going to be phenomenal. And we are going to watch people next Sunday night invite their friends, invite their family. And we're going to watch people from 65 to 7 walk through those waters next Sunday night. And it's going to be one of the greatest things you've ever experienced. So when everybody do me a favor. Everybody got this card. Everybody pull out this card and wave it. You should have gotten it on the wind. Just wave it. Wave it. Fan yourself with it. All right. Oh, dear Jesus. All right. And so keep, keep this. All right. If today... If today you say, Mike, I've never been baptized or I was, something happened to me as an infant or I didn't understand what I was doing, but I get it now and I want to make this step. I want, if you've got this card, I want you to just take a second and I'm going to talk. I want you to just fill it out. It gives you your name, your email, your phone number. And in just a second, you're going to drop this in the chaplain true north and comps are going to drop this in the basket. And we are going to celebrate you next week. I will tell you this. It's one of the greatest decisions you will ever make. Salvation is the greatest decision you'll ever make. 
Baptism is a way to show the world, to show your friends, to show your family. Do you know that North Star is, and I'm not going to say we're the only church, it's one of the only churches I know of where we baptize more adults than we do kids. And here's why that's big. One of the greatest legacies you'll ever leave as a parent is kids to see you live out your faith. Your kids may be in their 20s. They see you saying, this is me. They never forget it. And I've had dads ask me, parents ask me, can we baptize our children if we led them to Christ? Everybody look at me. The answer is yes. Yes. It's not the who does it. It's the what they did. Take a second, fill out this card. Maybe you're like, Mike, that's so old school. I just want to text my information. All right, you can do that. You can text 555-888-NSC-BASH. 55, you're a millennial and you're just cooler than all of us. All right, you can text 555-888. All right, here's the deal. Next Sunday night, we're all coming. We're gonna have, I'm hoping a thousand people here on this campus eating and having fun. You know, watch revival start in our community. Let's watch 150 people walk through baptism. We had probably 100 come to know Christ during the homesick series, just that series. This is your opportunity. It's the next step of obedience. Here's my challenge to you. Everybody look at me. If you have reached that point, you say, Mike, I've accepted Christ. Or today, in just a second, I'm going to accept Christ. This is a way to put on that uniform and say, that's the team I'm on. Because I'm telling you this. Our world needs something. And what our world needs is Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, I'm so Thankful that 2,000 years ago, this group of people responded and said, I'm a follower of Christ because they literally turned this world upside down. It's never been the same. This world's never been the same. God, there's some sitting in their chairs right now and they're going, man, I think I'm supposed to do this. God, I'm praying you give them that heart of courage God, I pray that you will give them that peace that's standing up and standing in for you. It's a phenomenal choice. Maybe they've accepted Christ recently. Maybe they did it years ago, but their baptism, they don't even remember. It didn't even mean anything to them because they weren't saved. God, I pray they'll make that step of obedience next week. If it's five or it's 500, we're going to celebrate. Maybe you're in here today and you say, Mike, I've never accepted Jesus. I've been that guy. Hard, tough, thought I knew, but something interested me about this. I mean, Mike, I sit in here today and I 
I think I'm ready to step across that line of faith. When you talked about being cut to the heart, that's me. When you talked about coming to know, that's me. Man, if that's you here today, can I lead you in a prayer? It's not, it's not the words. It's the heart. It goes like this, dear Lord Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I've never thought I did, but I do. Jesus, I really do believe you live for me. Jesus, I really do believe you died for me. Jesus, I really do believe that you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior today. If today you said, Mike, I prayed that prayer with you for the first time. Mike, today I stepped across that line of faith. Would you slip your hand up right where you are? You slip it up right where you are today. That's awesome. Anybody else in the room? That's awesome. If you pray that prayer with me today, boy, the next step, step across that line. Let us know. Father, we love you. We can't wait to celebrate all the people that through baptism next week show your uniform to their world, their family, their friends, and our church and our community, their new life in Christ. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.